Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to Salty Saints Podcast. I am Zach. That's Randy. What's going on, Randy? I'm doing all right. Fantastic. Uh, we are going to answer a viewer question today. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I think is kind of fun. I've been I've been kind of enjoying these like little more off the cuff kind of responses to things. Yeah. Uh, it's fun to do the deep dive stuff. It's also fun to just kind of do the the good old opinion piece. Yeah, and this is uh, definitely going to be an opinion piece. So, Kent, this goes out to you, my dude. He hasn't formally sent us an email. He but just he talked to us. He talked to us. He told us that he was going to, you know, at some point this was coming down the line. So I say we just beat him to the punch and let's knock this thing out. Yeah, and then he can listen to it and uh, send us follow-up questions. Exactly. All of the errors that we make. Yeah, what are you guys (laughs) talking about? That's not true. Um, Okay, so the question is the age-old debate. And honestly, I feel like we've mentioned this before. We have. Have we? We don't have like an... A dedicated episode to this, though, I don't think. No, we do not. We okay. will now. We will now. And then We're make, in the 60s now. And we can put it to rest. Yeah, we are. And we never did, like, a one-year, like, yeehaw kickoff like we did it. Um, so, sorry for that. Anybody that was really looking forward to what that might look like, uh, it would have been incredibly boring. We probably would have had some Diet Dr. Pepper and a Cherry Coke or something, and it would have been wild. <laughs> uh, but... The question is, once saved, always saved? Can you lose your salvation? Ooh. Scary. Yeah. And there's going to be, hmm, there's probably going to be a lot of disagreement over some things said in this. And you may disagree with uh, one or both of us. Uh, and that's okay, because ultimately... Um, at least in my experience, it comes down to talking about semantics, how you want to define certain yep. things. And uh, when everything is said and done, uh, the two sections, the two possible answers are not that far apart. And the other interesting thing about this question is me and Randy have talked about this a million times off camera, and we don't agree. And we agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we do not agree on certain parts of it, That's but right. in the end, we agree. But ultimately, you're wrong on other things, too, so. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's fine. That's great. That's great. If I'd be, I'd be more concerned if we agreed on everything, considering there are 44,000 denominations <laughs> of Christianity. Is that an actual number? Four, let's, how many? It sounds low to me, frankly. There are, oh dear. It's low, wasn't it? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, I read that wrong. I read that wrong. Is that right? I feel like this is going to be harder to find. Uh, Listen, Dave Ward, if you're listening to this by chance, you told me that statistic three years ago. So if you're wrong... (laughs) You're wrong. But uh, denominations explode. Wow, why am I even? I'm not seeing it. 
Okay. It, here, it, two billion Christians separated into thousands of denominations is well, what it says. Okay. So, listen, even if there's only a thousand denominations, that's still that's, a lot. That's a thousand, probably too many. But that's hey, right. yeah. like here we are, and, and people have different uh, uh, approaches to this whole question. Um, I thought one of the things that we could do would be let's let's throw the straw men out on the table yeah. and expose them for what they are, straw men. So what straw men are you referring to right now? Well, okay, so the the first straw man uh, for people who might say, once saved, always saved, that once you get your foot in the door, it doesn't really matter what you do. And I don't sure. know of <laughs> a, a single serious Calvinist or oh, reformed okay. person. Okay, I was going to say, who would does Creflo say dollar that? count? Um. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> somebody would say that, that you don't lose your salvation. They are not saying that so they can find a license to sin. That is not what it's about. And the flip side straw man is, okay, so if you believe you can lose your salvation then if you commit a sin and die before you have a chance to confess, you're going to hell. And that also is not what a person who would say that you can lose your salvation is really saying. Yeah, It's not about that at all. So there are two straw men out there. Just discard those uh, from the very beginning. That's, that's not at all what we're saying. Sure. So... I mean, I don't know that there's any other way of doing this but to cut right to the to the heart of it. What do you have to say about well, this? Well, I, I, I think we have to understand um, uh, definitions of terms. Uh, for example, uh, let, let me get into one of the things that I want to say um, uh, just on the question, can you lose your salvation? And uh, then I'd like to ask you a question that uh, maybe you can answer, and and let's just see where it takes us. But I lose my car keys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And I really don't like the terminology "lose your salvation" because it sounds like something that can happen by accident, and uh, no, I don't believe that you lose your salvation by accident. Um, I can uh, l- lose an argument or, or lose a football game. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not that kind of lose mm-hmm. either. Um, in my mind... What you're talking about is, can a person today be in a positive, loving, uh, uh, caring relationship with the Lord and somewhere down the road not be in that same relationship? Uh, I believe that's possible. I would never call it losing my salvation because it's not losing something like I lose car keys or like I lose a football game. It's 
more like a divorce. It's more like uh, uh, walking away from. Okay. So to, to kind of push back on what you just said there, though. Okay. To think of it as like a divorce. In the book of Hosea, God uses Hosea as a model for his relationship to his people. Hosea divorces his wife because of the sins that she's committed towards That's him. right. She doesn't come back to him. She does not come back and seek him to be remarried to him. He, he goes her. to her Correct. and takes her back. Yeah. With that said, does that not explain the way God views his people? that if they walk away from them, he will go after them and he will take them back. I think that is God's nature. He will go after them. He will try to bring them back. But do you believe today that every person who can genealogically trace his ancestry to Abraham is saved? No. What happened? Did they have something that they lost at a certain point in time? I, I guess I'm not understanding like what you're what you're poking at there. Um, if if the pattern is uh, uh, God, what did God do with Israel? Did God not at a certain point in time say, "Okay, uh, I am now looking to the church." as the body that I'll be saving. Right. Not to the nation of Israel. Right. Did Israel lose their salvation at that point? Salvation. That was old that was old covenant though. Yeah. That was old covenant. That was different. It did work differently, right? And so that's what that's where it gets hard there. But along those same lines though, I guess I would pair what I just said, though, about, like, you know, divorcing from God, mm-hmm. like walking away from God with what's said in Hebrews, where it said, those of them that have left us were never truly with us to begin with. Right. And right. so that would be my stance on the, on the issue, that if you are a true believer, if you come to God for the right reasons, if you love him for the right reasons, if you truly know him, and that's where what I think it all boils down to is, do you know God? Does God know you? Because I think once you've been there, I don't think you can go away. I don't think you can. And if you do walk away, I think it points to the issue that you didn't know him. Yeah. Like, for instance, like Satan. We can look at Satan. Satan was close to God, right? Like, Satan was in near proximity to God forever. But I don't think Satan knew God. Because even when like God like acts out of his mercy and grace through the person of Christ on earth, it's like it catches Satan off guard. It's like the whole thing catches the devil off guard, that he like didn't see this coming at all. And it's like for him to be that near to God, but to still not know God's character, that shows me that, that maybe it really does boil down to that question of, do you know me? Right, right, right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, I definitely understand the argument, and um, that's why I said at the beginning, in essence, it does boil down to semantics. Um, does a person who says they're a Christian uh, 
who does things that a Christian does, can they ever stop doing that? Sure. And lose something that they once had. Um, your answer would be they never really had it. Uh, they were going through the motions. Sure. Uh, I, well, back in the day. Well, for instance, like if you scare somebody, you can't scare somebody into a relationship with you. You know what I mean? Like you can, but it won't last. Will it? Exactly. <laughs> like you can't. You can't just be like, "Well, if you don't love me, I'll kill you." Right. <laughs> I mean, that, people do that. Hallmark doesn't make that card, does it? <laughs> no. No. Exactly. Um, and so, like, my point is, like, I think that's how a lot of people's conversions to Christianity start. Yeah. Is if I don't love Jesus, I'm going to go to hell. And that's what we've, like, leaned on in Christianity for the past how many hundreds of years? Thousands of years, probably. And, like, it's like, I don't think that's the right... It's not God's condemnation that's supposed to turn our hearts. It's love for him. It's his compassion and his mercy and his love that changes us and makes us love him and makes us feel convicted for our sins. Right. Not fear of death. Right. You know? Right, right, right. And so... Yeah, what I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I really feel like people that walk away from God are, I, I mean, honestly, like, listening to this Rise and Fall of Mars Hill that I've been listening to from mm-hmm. Christianity Today, all these people that are, like, walking away from the church, they start talking about, like, what they thought church was supposed to be, and I'm like, that's not that's in the not, Bible. And that's not what Scripture like, says. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like they walk away from it because it wasn't what it was supposed to be, but right. what they thought it was supposed to be isn't what Christianity has ever stated to be anywhere. And so, like, that's what I'm saying is, like, I don't really know of anybody that's like, yeah, they had it all right, their theology was right, they knew Christ, they knew how it all worked, and then they walked away. I know people that fall into big, deep, dark slumps, and they get the world starts feeding them false information and they get confused. And I find myself there. Sure. But at the end of the day, I'm going, no, no, like it, this is right. Like I know the truth. That's the story of Job. Right. He had three friends who came and fed him basically bad information. And, uh, you know, for a long period of time he was depressed, but he came out of it at the end. Yeah. Now, I get that, and and I get. I don't believe this. Is why I don't like the terminology "lose your salvation." I I don't believe that a person can accidentally, or or maybe accidentally isn't the the right word, but I don't believe that a person walks away from the Lord for uh, mistaken reasons. I think there are two things that could happen that would cause a person to uh, move away from God. Mm. One is, I believe, extremely rare, and that's if a person becomes convinced that what they once believed is a lie. Mm. Uh, They no longer believe that uh, Jesus was resurrected. They no longer believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Now, I think that does happen. Uh, I, I think some, um, they're confronted with uh, arguments that they just can't answer. And uh, they end up uh, walking away from the faith that they once had. Um, 
we were uh, looking at a situation like that um, just about a month ago when we were examining the LGBT uh, uh, community. There was mm-hmm. one fella that was actually, he was a student at Moody Bible. And even, if I understand right, had a radio podcast or a radio show on the Moody Network. And uh, he then came out of the closet and has taken a step back away from the church, I'd say away from the Lord, uh, because of his lifestyle. I think those cases are fairly, fairly infrequent, pretty small. Well, I would say he's driven into just straight-up apostasy at this point. Like, I mean, it's heresy. Yeah. What he's saying is heresy. Right, right, right. Um, and apostasy is the biblical term for that. Right. Um, there was, a, a, I, I guess, back when Billy Graham was getting started, uh, there were kind of two speakers. He got started with Youth for Christ. And Youth for Christ had two speakers. One was Billy Graham. The other was a man named Templeton, and I can't remember his first name. But uh, after a number of years, looking at the two of them, Youth for Christ kind of went with Templeton. Said Templeton's, he, he communicates better. He has a deeper understanding of theology. Within about 15 years, he had completely stepped away from faith. Said... Hmm. Uh, I just don't believe that any longer. And the issue with him is we, he got some higher education and became convinced that uh, some of what he always thought was true was, was not true. That, I think, is fairly rare. I think the much more common thing is when people go apathetic. They just don't care anymore. Maybe once they did, maybe once they... they, they uh, prayed, they had their devotionals, they they would evangelize, they were a, a big part of church, but now today they they rarely open the Bible. They they've just grown cold. Sure. Um in those cases I would say they need a salvation event again. They need a, a come to Jesus moment. In my mind if they die in that state, um, I would struggle to believe that they were okay. So here's here's my question, though. Does it not boil down to works at that point? Is your faith not conting- contingent on your works at that point? Um, and my answer would be no. Uh, the works grow out of your faith. The faith has been lost, and so the works are no longer there. They need to come back to that faith so that the works can again arise out of that faith. Right. But it's a, it's a slippery slope. So, it's it's right, tricky. Right. So, yeah, that's – there's just so many verses that – that make me feel okay. For instance, I'll I'll say this: like at points in my life, like I've been addicted to many terrible things in my life. Sure. I have, uh, like I, I could not stop drinking through college, uh, through coming out of college. I mean, like I won't say I was an alcoholic, but I was a borderline alcoholic. Right. Um, 
I was addicted to sex, I think, um, and pornography, all that. Um, and so, like, those things, when they get a foothold on you, you can't, it feels like you can't put those things down, even when you realize you do want to put those things down. And so, for me, I would go to God and say, like, take this from me. And when he doesn't, and when you don't get better, and when you don't start to feel, feel better, it can feel like, like, like what, what you're helpless. Like, what, what am I even supposed to do now? And yeah. so my thing is, like, people that are suffering from, like, addictions, and most of the time addictions are to sin, like, yeah. because, like, yeah. even if you're smoking cigarettes. They're hurtful behavior. Exactly. Yeah, harmful behavior. Right. Like, so to, to mistreat your body is a sin. Sure. Right? And so if you're, if you're overeating, if you're addicted to overeating, if you're addicted oh. to cigarettes, right? You're going so, to meddling. <laughs> right. But my, my point is, like, most addictions are sins, and right. I would struggle to believe any of us don't have some kind of addiction sure, to some sure, kind of sin, sure. right? And so my thing is, like, when you get to that point where you're just so worn down and you can't stop it, or you feel like you can't stop it, you know, um, if you die in that, what happens? Well, Do you see what I'm saying, though? Yeah. Because, like, it's like, well, wait, do you not have the faith to overcome it? Why not? And it's like, well... I try every day and then I'm failing it, you know, like, and I've been stuck in that in my past, you know, stuff. And I, you know, I, I just struggle with stuff today, but like, so my, you see where I'm going uh, with this? I, I do. And that's, that's going back to that straw man that we threw out on the table and said, let's go, let's discard that. Right. Uh, because if you say, okay, so if I commit a sin that I don't confess, I'm going to die and go to hell. And that's not at all what I'm saying. No, no, no. I'm saying like, you confess it, sure. You repent it. You come back to it. Maybe the next day. Maybe the next week. Sure. It's over and over again. Right. If you die in that, are you dying in sin? Um. Yeah, yeah. You're dying in sin. That doesn't condemn you, though, because all of us die in sin. So it's about it's our relationship with Jesus. Okay, but you but what you are arguing is that there are people that step away and say, yeah. "I'm just going to lean into this. I'm not going to care." Either because they make an intentional decision, just like they once made an intentional decision to follow Jesus. They make an intentional decision to step away. And they are no longer going to follow. So what do you do? Or with- they just don't care anymore. They just don't even try anymore. Divorces happen because one or the other partner uh, makes a decision that they are going to love someone else, and so there is adultery, or they just don't care anymore. They just don't put any effort into it. So what do you do with like with that Hebrews argument that they were never with us to begin with? Oh, I think there are some in which that's... So you don't think that's an all-encompassing statement? I don't think that's all-encompassing. Okay. I think there was a segment of the church that uh, as as the author of Hebrews looked at it, he said, you know what? There was something wrong about them from the very get-go. Okay. Okay. So you're looking at that as like a subgroup. Yeah. Okay. I like, And that's what it boils down to, is like that's why this is such a hard conversation, because there's so many um, kind of smaller categories within yeah. the broader question. Kind of like you said at the beginning, let's get rid of some of these straw men. 
And so I think what you and I can agree on on this, though, is it is about maintaining a relationship with Jesus, no matter how flawed or screwed up or broken you are in the midst of that relationship. And and we're really going to be flawed and screwed up. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, we're never going to be able to have the kind of a relationship that we really wish we could have right. with Jesus. There's always going to be some sin bubbling up in my life. Wait, so you don't believe in Christian perfection? <laughs> there's perfection and I'm then smiling there's perfectionism. Right now. If you're not watching so. <laughs> this on video, I am smiling while I said that. I am not a Wesleyan. Right, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm probably close to one, but I don't think I am. I'm close to one, too, but yeah. I still don't believe in the, the Christian perfection deal. There, there are things that, yeah, anyway, that's a different topic for a different day, but um, uh, the reality is uh, our relationship with the Lord, I believe, is something that does need to be cultivated. Now, I have a friend in Columbia. He is a five-point Calvinist. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you know exactly what all that mes- means, method. the old tulip, yeah. right? I don't remember what they all are, but... <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Um, and and I disagree with two out of the out of the five points. He doesn't. He is a five point Calvinist. He looked at me one time and he said, "Randy, the difference between Arminianism and uh, Reformed theology. Reformed theology would be the people that are more like five point Calvinists. They believe that salvation is simply of God, saying, "I choose you, and I don't choose you." Um, he said the difference is Arminianism is a much more pastoral theology. It's, in essence, easier to sit down with someone and say to them, your relationship, what you do with the Lord on a daily basis matters. Uh, you've got to do it. So that uh, what he said made a lot of sense. He's a, he's a genius. Um, and and what he said then really made a lot of sense that it's uh, it's more pastoral in its approach to people. Oh, I guess I'm confused. I I really get confused with the five point stuff because right. like I listen to a lot of apologia. I really like Jeff Durbin. I really like James White. I like those guys. I don't agree with everything they think, but I I think they're great and I respect them a lot. And I read a lot of what like people say about reform theology and stuff and and I when I listen to them I don't necessarily see that. Okay, so let's talk about the tulip and the five. Let's points. let's cover that. This is the practical point and not everybody who believes that uh, you can't lose your salvation would embrace all five of these points. That you can't and you're saying Calvinists and reformers would believe you cannot. A traditional Calvinist would embrace the five points of Calvinism and say, once you are saved, you can never lose that salvation. Okay. Okay. Total depravity. Man is completely sinful and there is no good in man. Okay. Wesleyans believe that as well. Sure. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, what's the you? Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to look it up. Uh, why don't you look up the U? L is limited atonement. 
Jesus died for the elect. He did not die for those who are not elect. Now, I struggle with that. Uh, when I read scripture, I read things like, like God so loved the world. Um, a traditional Calvinist has to redefine the world because it doesn't fit in their theological scheme. And that causes problems for me. The I is irresistible grace. What's the U? Unconditional election. Unconditional election. God chooses. Right. And salvation is exclusively on the basis of God choosing. It, right. And it's solely out of his mercy because man is sinful, Correct. man is broken. Right. And so... It's not based on anyone's merit, on anybody's goodness or righteousness, but just because God chose them. And almost everything that you said right there, a a pure Wesleyan would say absolutely. Right. But they would add one other point, and I'll get to that at the very end. Okay. Uh, L is limited atonement. Jesus died just for the elect. He didn't die for all of the world. Right. I really struggle with that because Scripture to me seems to say that he died for everyone. But there is something that man must do to make that atonement effective in his own life. I is for irresistible grace. If God has grace for you, you cannot resist that grace. If God chooses you to be saved, you can't say... for whatever reason, I don't want to be saved. And P is for perseverance of the saints, that once, essentially once you're in, Mm. you're always in. Now, most Wesleyans would say that as well, but they redefined that saying, as long as you remain a saint, you will persevere. But a Wesleyan would say that grace can be resisted. By saying that, they open the door for Christ's atonement to be unlimited. He died for everybody. But there are those who reject that death, either because they hear it and they say, that's not for me, or because they never get a chance to hear it. Um, Now, the way Wesleyans get around total depravity, they also say there is nothing good in man. And left to himself, he'll never even seek God. The way they get around that is by what they call prevenient grace. God gives grace to all enough grace, basically, to allow them to look up in God's face from a mud pit and say, help. (laughs) Right. And that's it. Now, I mentioned my friend before. Uh, My friend is five-point Calvinist. What he does with that, uh, he, he would still say there is a limited atonement. What he says is that uh, a creature looking up from a mud pit saying, help me. That's not much free will, uh, and and that's really all man can muster. In my mind, that is free will. Man does have to look up 
and say, I am in need of a Savior. Help. I can't do this. Please do it for me. Now, most people who believe one saved, always saved, are not five-point Calvinists. Yeah, They're probably three-point Calvinists. And that would be um, total depravity. They would probably also not go the route of unlimited, uh, what is it? What was the U? Unconditional, unconditional election. election. Uh, and uh, limited atonement. They would probably say, no, man does have the ability to say yes or no. I need to be saved. Please save me or not. Once they do, uh, they, in essence, lose that free will then because God will never release them once he has them. And they recur to verses like, no man can snatch them out of my hand. Something Jesus says in John chapter 12, I think, mm-hmm. 12 or 13, um, and other verses like that. Right. So I look at those verses and I say, well, what I think Jesus is saying there is that nobody else can take away my salvation. I can, but no man can well, it doesn't say no man. Away. It says nothing. Um, nor angels, nor demons, nor powers. Okay, nor... that's Paul. That's that's Paul, Romans chapter 8. It's a slightly different context. Is it? Yeah. And that's nothing will remove us from the love of God. Oh, you're right. God still loves us even when we're lost. You're right. Nothing can remove us from that love. Sorry. Yeah. Um... Yeah. No man. See, I look at verses like James five nineteen and 20, um, and I've, I've heard the response to this, but James five nineteen and 20 says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. I read that and I say it sounds to me like someone can wander away from a faith that they once had. And we're charged to, uh, first of all, recognize that God doesn't give up on him. And he's gone back to him. So we should too. We should be trying to bring them back. Now the traditional way that a person who would say, well, they're not really unsaved. What uh, I have heard the argument that when he says they'll save that person from death is that he's talking about a physical death. Uh, sin brings about conditions that can result in death. So when you save a person who has wandered away from the truth, it's not that they've lost their salvation. They're still saved. But if you bring them back, you prolong their life and bring about the forgiveness of sins. And I'm, and so I, I kind of, I guess, like I've... Here, here's my thing, but you need to understand where I stand on this whole thing. I'm... <laughs> I am not dead set on any of this. Reason being, and I kind of said it at the beginning, 
there's so many views on all this that I kind of have to throw my hands up and be like, I don't know, but I do know that I'm supposed to still believe Jesus and to follow after Jesus. Like, <laughs> see, that's the key point, right? And so it's like I don't know if you can, if you can or can't lose your or walk away from your salvation because I do struggle with verses like that. Right, I can right, see right. exactly what you're saying, and then I can turn around and see where those people that are talking about like it's talking. And I, now I wouldn't maybe go physical death, but I'm saying like you know, the the actions that you do bring about life or bring about death, right? right? right like, right. you can either do good and, and reap the benefits of living a righteous life, or you can reap the reward of living a terrible life. And right. it's a bad, it's bad circumstances, right? Right. And so, like, Richard Mensa. Yeah. We were talking about this. Uh, I think it was actually after the podcast last time he was on, and we've talked about it in the shop, too. But, like, he was saying... He believes once saved, always saved. Okay. And his way of looking at it is this. He says, I'm justified by the blood of Christ. I am made a citizen of heaven by what Christ did for me and because I have chosen to follow him. He said, now, just like I can go become, like I'm from Ghana, right? He said, so like I I came from Ghana. I have become an American citizen. He said, now, once I became an American citizen, I was an American. Now, if I chose not to learn English, not to learn how the currency worked, not to abide by the rules of America, not to live like an American in any way, my walk as an American would be a miserable one. It would be a very bad time in America. I'd be a citizen, but I'd be an awful one. I wouldn't contribute anything. And you wouldn't enjoy any of the benefits. I wouldn't enjoy any of the benefits. I would be miserable. And so just because I'm an American doesn't mean I would be living as an American. I'd still be living like I'm from Ghana, right? And he said, and so I think you can do that as a citizen of heaven. I can be justified by the blood of Christ, and if I'm not living as a Christian, as a member of the kingdom of heaven, then I'm going to live that life miserably. Yeah. And I, that clicks with me. Yeah. I don't know that that answers the question, but I definitely think he's right in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think there are many things that he says there that is right, and and he, here's kind of what it what it boils down to. So, uh, in my life, I've I've been overseas. I've seen. I've heard people overseas. I have kind of a sense of what's going on over there. I have kind of a sense of what's going on here. Uh, I've been in circles. Where someone has said, oh, he believes once you're saved, you're always saved. Uh, I don't even think he's a Christian. Well, I have been in circles that have said, oh, you believe that you could lose your salvation. Well, to me, that means that you are probably not saved yourself. Well, (laughs) I think the basic issue boils down to looking at two different sides of the salvation coin. One looks at God's side where where God loves us and God sheds his mercy on us and he never wants to let us go. Okay, yeah, I could see. Boy, you, you never lose that. Flip it over to the other side and I see a side where uh, man responds and says yes. I need you, Lord. I love you, Lord. But knowing man's heart and man's fickleness, there can come a time 
when he says, eh. <laughs> and I kind of get that too. I see it as kind of two sides of one coin. It is interesting to me that once, I don't think this is apocryphal, uh, they say that they asked John Wesley, uh, knowing his theological viewpoint and knowing John Calvin's viewpoint, uh, they asked Wesley, do you think you'll see John Calvin in heaven? And he said, no. And they said, John, you really don't think that you'll ever see John Calvin in heaven. He said, no, he'll be so close to the throne, and I'll be so far away, I will never have a chance to see him. Wesley understood himself as being in that line of reformers of the church. And what he did, first of all, he never formed the Methodist Church. No. It was all based on his teachings. It was all based on his teaching, but he remained an Anglican right. till the day he died. And, and that's just it, man. I love Wesley's writings. Yeah. I just don't necessarily love the translations of Wesley's writings. <laughs> I'll definitely agree with you there. Um, what, what it boils down to is I think there are certain things that we can agree on, and as long as I'm with a person who agrees to these things, whether they say that means you can lose your salvation or no, you can never lose your salvation, I really don't care what they say about that. I have good fellowship with people who say both. Mm -hmm. But the things that they've got to agree on is that what we do in our daily life is important. It matters. Um, God tells us how he wants us to behave. And we need to do that. And when we don't do that, it's an issue that has to be addressed. Secondly, I can't do a stinking thing. Total depravity. <laughs> Total depravity. <laughs> there is nothing I can do to save myself. It is all God. At most, what I can do is look at myself and say, I'm pathetic. <laughs> I need okay. a Savior. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah. I will take that. But but even that, though, and sorry, in this, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. dude, I'm just going to dig more holes. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what I do. But, like, to say I can do nothing, I can do nothing to save myself. Right. Except to look up and say I need help. Well, doesn't that then turn around and say that you did do something because of God's prevenient grace that he gave to me and he gives to you and he gives to other people and other people might take that prevenient grace look at themselves say yeah I'm a mess so let me so, ask, everybody so let me ask you this <laughs> and I I know what I think here yeah okay but to the person that looks at themselves and says, I need you to help me because I can't help me. Right. Can't help me. Right. And then you've got the person that is walking the walk and they're a mature Christian and right. they're doing a good job and they're they're doing better in a lot of ways. They're doing they're better, not, yeah. They're not perfect, but they're they're miles ahead of where this guy's at. Right. Do they stand justified the same? 
Um, the, the easy answer to that is that's not my question to answer. That's God's because only God sees the heart. But No, 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 but I'm talking about somebody that genuinely can say, God, I need you. Yeah. And that's all he can do. Yeah. Are those two people justified the same? What does the other person say? That they're they're mature in their faith. They're saying the same thing, but yeah. they but they're they've reached a new. They are justified the same. That's yes. what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and I think that's important to say. Oh yeah, and I I agree with you. Uh, if, if we're talking about salvation as just getting your foot in the door, right? <laughs> they are both justified the same. If we're talking about justification in terms of maturity. Oh, no, 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 no. no. One is mature. When I say justification, I mean you have received the salvation of Jesus Christ. Yes. You will live. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, it's not because of any act that they have done. It's not because they prayed the sinner's prayer. It's because inside of them there was a, a seed of faith that, produced a little faith plant and they said I want to follow God who put the seed there God did who watered the seed God did Uh, did they have a choice of stepping on that seed I think they did the Calvinists would say no the Calvinists would say (laughs) they don't God's grace is irresistible you might as well step on a on a redwood. And do and I'll be and I'll be honest, I know I'm getting off track here, but like when it comes to like the Calvinist Arminian argument, I don't know. I really don't know. I see both sides of it. And I think both yeah, sides I do too. And I think both sides make wonderful points. Mm-hmm. But I see both sides. Like it's cool being a spectator. Like being the guy on his little gray island out here going, I don't know, I'm non-denominational. Because I look at everybody and go, yeah, that's really good. Oh, no, that's wrong. You're crazy on that one. And all over here, yeah, yeah, that's uh, – no, that part's crazy. That part, not. Yeah, and so like it just makes it really hard to like settle into any one camp and be right. like, these guys right. have got it all figured out. Yeah, yeah. Haven't found anybody like that yet. No, still looking. Still looking. Still. And don't think I ever will. Um, yeah. Uh, there was one other thing that I wanted to say, and it has gone right now. Let's keep talking because it'll it'll come back. Okay. What you want to talk about? <laughs> Do you like string cheese? <laughs> I don't think that's going to get me back. All right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. Um, 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 faith. Uh, once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. Provenient grace. Um, uh, God's sovereignty. Five points Calvinism. Uh, I I did hear that the Wesleyans also have a flower, a five-letter flower that defines their theology. Do they really? Theology. Yeah, okay, here's a question. Oh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Go it's, ahead. It's the daisy. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. It was a joke. <laughs> Go home, Randy. But a good You're Calvinist drunk. told me that joke. I like that. I like that. Um Okay, so here's something I don't understand. Why is it people use Wesleyanism as like the opposing school of thought to Calvinism? It's actually Arminianism. And that's what I'm and saying. Jacob Arminius was not a Wesleyan. First of all, he lived about 100 years before Wesley. And that's what I'm saying. But he wrote a series of uh, theological articles in which he rejected a couple of points of the five points of Calvinism. 
Right. But I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I often hear Wesleyanism as like the opposing school of thought. Right. right when right. Arminianism is the opposing school of thought. It is. It is. Right. Um, <laughs> I attended a church. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. Yes. Okay. I attended a church in uh, Toronto, Canada, uh, a Baptist church, because it was the only gospel, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church that we could find around. And uh, after attending there for about two years, I went to the pastor and I said, now, um, we'd really like to join the church, but I don't want to leave the church where I have, where I am. Uh, would you have something like a provisional membership or... And he, I forget the term he came up with, but he came up with a term. And uh, it was an ethnic church. It was in a very large um, uh, ethnic community. Only about 25% of the people that attended that church were white Canadians. There were a lot of Jamaicans, Trinidadians, Singaporeans, a lot of Asians, just you name it. Love that church. Love that little church. And uh, so one Sunday morning, Pastor Brian stood up and he had Linda and I come forward and he said, Now, uh, we, we just want you all to know they're not joining the church as full members because they're members of another church and they don't want to leave that. But they want to identify with us. And he said, we, we don't have any trouble with that. Randy and Linda are actually Arminians. And uh, that's no barrier for us. And he shook our hands. And afterwards, one of the ethnic ladies came up to him and he said, Pastor Brian, I, I don't think they're Arminians. I, I think they're from the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Was she kidding? No. Oh, my no, goodness. No, no. She was dead serious. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So here's what I, here's, uh, what I, what I wanted to mention. Uh, the majority of Christians in the United States today would be uh, Baptist or Reformed. They would say their answer to the question, can you lose your salvation, would be no. Of course not. Okay. Now, evangelical Christians who would say you can lose your salvation may include a number of the Pentecostal church, and it may be growing. When you look in the world, the majority of Christians would be Armenians, either because of Pentecostalism or because uh, they are part of a Methodist church that does not associate with the United Methodist Church here in the States. Or it still does, but it's in the process of separation and division. But it's a much more evangelistic, conservative body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not that numbers mean all that much, but... Uh, so you were saying that uh, Pentecostals would say you can lose your faith? Many, most, okay. I believe, would say that. Okay. Basically, Wesleyanism and, and contemporary Wesleyanism and Pentecostalism were born out of the same same movements, yes. which interestingly were missionary prayer bands. 
They were people that gathered together to pray for missions. And out of that also came like the Quakers and the Mennonites and the Amish and all that, right? Well, the Mennonites go all the way back to the Reformation, but yeah, um, even the Amish, uh, Quakers maybe to a lesser degree. But you get many of the groups uh, that exist in the 20th and 21st centuries coming out of a movement of prayer bands for missions. Yeah, out of the, what, the holiness uh, Yeah, movement. the holiness movement. Yeah, okay, interesting. And that would be the Wesleyan Church, the, the Nazarene yeah. Church, and things like that. So. so, with all that said, I don't know that we even answered the question. So can a person lose their salvation? Who knows? <sighs> First of all, I would say I don't like the way the word the, the 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 question is phrased, but I would say a person can walk away from their relationship with the Lord, and if they do, they can also walk back, and they need to, and we need to encourage them to do that. You just want I just want to dig more holes. I <laughs> we're, we're nearing the end, and there's just so many more holes. Um, yeah, yeah. They can walk away. They can walk back. The question, though, is then gets into the Calvinist Arminian deal where it's like, but will God let them fully always walk away if they ever truly were, you know, saved and all that? You know what I mean? He, like, He's going to keep trying. He, he will not give up. Right. But I'm saying that's coming from the basis of either – yeah, right now you're kind of coming from the Arminian view, right? Yep. But if you were to come from the Calvinist view, it would be like he can't fail because he's sovereign. And so like, And his grace is irresistible. So. Right. And so it's so like So it doesn't matter what you do, you are saved. Yeah, I it, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I have my leanings. I have yeah. my leanings. Yeah. And at this point I don't even feel like it's worth talking about because I I don't <laughs> even I'm so jumbled in my brain right now. I don't know that I could formulate a clear thought here's the one thing that always bothers me about a person that would say if uh if a person walks away from the lord then they were never saved to begin with i get that i understand why uh, a person would say that but it seems to me that if you truly believe that then you can never answer the question, are you saved, positively. You can never say yes. At best, you have to say, we'll see. We'll wait until I die, and if I'm still faithful when I die, then yes, today I am saved. And there's something about that that just bothers me. Uh, okay, I sorry. Am, Let's stay on this for a second because yeah. this is important. This is important. So what bothers you about it is is having to say, well, today I'm saved? What bothers me about it is having to say, no matter what I do, no matter how much I love the Lord, no matter how much I pray, no matter how much I read the Bible, no matter how much I bask in his glory and mercy, I don't know if I'm saved because... Tomorrow I might feel differently. And that would show that today I'm fooling even myself. But I feel like the Wesley like the, the Arminian Wesleyan view is sort of the same. That it's contingent on you 
to choose to follow him today. Right? But then think about it this way. There's also the verses that say things like, on that day, and on the day of judgment, there will be those that come to me and say, Lord, right. Lord, look at all these things I did in your name. I called out right. to you. I did all these things for you. And he says, you never knew me. You never knew me. And I never knew you. Right? And so that tells me that it's something beyond works, though, right? It's beyond just, like, it's something beyond us, right? And so I think there's an element of, oh, I don't know, in the Wesleyan Arminian view, too. And I'm not saying I'm on the the Calvinist side, either. I'm sitting here in the middle going, I just have to rely on the grace of Jesus, because, like, I don't, (laughs) I... I in myself can't do it. I just have to believe him when he says, if you come to me, I'll forgive you, yeah. do better. If you don't, come to me, and I'll forgive you, yep. do better. You right, know, like, right. And that's all I got, man. That's it. 70 times 7. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I've got to, like, be close to running out of <laughs> Well, you're okay. <laughs> that's a metaphor. I am aware of that to anybody that cannot see us right now. I hope the laughter gave it away. That was not serious. Right. There is not a number. That's not the point. Right. Um, dude, I don't know. There, that's what it boils down to, okay? This is a hard book to understand because it's big, and there's a lot of things talking about a lot of really specific things, and then we lump them together in categories and say, Oh, well, that's clearly talking about this over here. And it's like, well, actually, it's talking about, like, some <laughs> church in another continent. But, okay, I guess we can lump it in there. You know, like, it, and so we got to be careful. We get, that's, yeah. that's why I, yeah. I just need to just keep reading things contextually and just listen to what Jesus said. That's all I got, man. That's all we got. Is that fair? That's fair. Is that fair? That's fair, yep. Like, go – and here's the other thing, too. Like – there are commands that we are to follow regardless of right. the answer to this question. Right. Because while we may not have given you a definitive, oh, yes, you can, or no, you can't lose your salvation or walk away from your salvation, whatever. It doesn't change what it the Bible says exactly. about how to live. And it's the same argument with Arminianism versus Calvinism. It doesn't matter which one's right. The job is the same. Yeah. And, and both of them would agree to that. Oh, yeah. So I guess we're good here. Everybody <laughs> shut up. Like, we're fine. Like, just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like, and when you screw up, say you're sorry, get it together, try harder. Yeah. Like, let's get back to it. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure this was a very uplifting podcast. Very. You know, you started off saying it's an opinion piece, and it absolutely is. We, we have an opinion. I have an opinion. You have an opinion. We pool our ignorance, and we end up with a big, big pile of ignorance. In I feel like I have a way bigger pile of ignorance than you do, though, Randy. Mm, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I'm just more stubborn. Nah. Nah. I don't know. That, that, and that's, that's another thing. Like, I, this kind of comes down to the denominational talk for me, too. Yeah. Is like, while... I kind of sit out here on my little gray island looking at all the other denominations. I kind of see the way the way or the way that denominations look at each other and they kind of like pick each other apart and say like, yeah. "Well, you should think like me." Yeah. Right? Because we think this way and this is right. And then like kind of like I said, I look over here and I'm like, "Oh, those guys are doing that really well." And I look over here and go, "Oh, those guys are doing that really well." But at the same time, I can look at those same two denominations and be like, "But that's stupid and that's stupid." <laughs> okay? But then like I kind of look at it like 
I think we've probably said this before, but like it's like a bunch of body parts working together for one big body. How strange! Right. Yeah. Um, and so, like, somebody ought to write something about that. Yeah, it's <laughs> like I I really do think God is kind of using all of our ignorance yeah. <laughs> and yeah. all of our gifts and all of our abilities to work together for the bigger picture. Um, that you know, all these all these groups of people serve a purpose. Um, you know, I feel like. You know, while while the the Calvinist is much more firm and and very very kind of structured in the way they and look very at things, logical. very logical. That you know, the the Wesleyan's more like feeling and more like it's the heart of Jesus. You know, like and then you get the Pentecostals, the more, the more charismatic churches, and they just they they have so much emotion towards Christ. And like and so like you start like. Seeing how all these like it's almost like personality traits popping yeah. out of these denominations, it's like I think that's intentional, in some way, like and and you know and it's a good thing. It is a good thing, and if we could all just learn to like be like you know, we're not all going to agree on everything, yeah. but we do agree on the main stuff, and that's yeah. who Christ is and what we're supposed to do, right? And what He's right. told us. So again, those main things that that we've got to agree on. Salvation comes from God, period. Right. Uh, what we do on a daily basis matters. Yep. And we've got we to be working on that. We're going to get it right, probably not perfectly, but we've got to be concerned about it. Right. If those two things are in place, whether you can lose your salvation or not, it doesn't really matter because you're going to, You've got to keep working. Right. You've got to keep on plugging. And let's not forget, I think there's a three. Go make disciples. Yeah. Go make disciples. Yep. yep. Go tell them all the mismatched knowledge you have as well. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully they figure out those three points too. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah. Man, that was rough. That's a, yeah, it's a, that hurt my brain. I don't you, think Kent. I've had one that hurt my brain like that before. Thank you, Kent. Yeah, um, thanks, man. Stop asking questions, Kent. No, don't stop asking <laughs> questions, Kent. This is good. I like I like this. This is fun. But, like, that really hurt my brain. Yeah, yeah. That's why every once in a while we'll talk about names. <laughs> hold, hold on, hold on. I just feel like if we were being, like, monitored through this thing while we are, people are listening to us. But uh, I have a quote that I feel like somebody would say, at no point in your rambling incoherent response was there anything that could even be considered a rational thought <laughs> everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it may god have mercy on your soul who said that billy madison at the end <laughs> when he when he he gives his big long explanation for the question they ask him and there's just this long silence and that's what the judge rattles back off at him now please sit back down and may god have mercy on your soul and it's just the funniest thing ever oh so, gosh that's there great. you go that's great Everybody, thank you so much for uh, for drudging through this thing with us. It was a good time. Uh, if you got questions for us, please don't hesitate to send them in because we would love to talk about more stuff like this. Uh, if you uh, are on YouTube or listening on a podcast, follow us, like us, give us a thumbs up, five stars, whatever it offers. Uh, hook us up and uh, keep listening. Until next time, stay salty. 
Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.